Hi, I'm Walter Lane, and you've tuned in to a sermon podcast from the Netherwood Park Church of Christ in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Thanks for listening. don't know we have a standing offer here that if on our pack the pulpit Sundays it's so filled up that I can't get up here we just won't have a sermon on that Sunday and uh, you almost did it but not quite that would probably explain why you saw some of our older kids like working really hard to pack stuff right here behind the pulpit to keep me out but Tony kept them from doing that so thank you Tony for doing that so thank you for your generosity And you can know that this food will bless others, that this food will bless people who are hungry, that things will be done in the name of Jesus because of what you have done here today. So I would request that you would pray about this food, pray about those who will be delivering the food, pray about those who will be receiving the food so that everybody will be blessed and God's name will be glorified and people will come to know God and come to know his son Jesus Christ because of what has happened here today. So again, thank you. I want to start out by giving you a Bible reading challenge update. So, so far to date in this year as a congregation, we have read and reported 2,300 books of the Bible. So, good job. Continue to read. Continue to report those results. For those of you who are doing the sprint to the finish, the 90-day challenge to read through the New Testament, if you started that with great intentions and you fell well behind and finally just kind of gave up because you were so far behind, let me encourage you to start back up. Tomorrow in our reading plan, we start with the book of John, the gospel of John. This would be a great time to just start at that point, pick up in John chapter 1, and go ahead and continue with the plan after that. So let me encourage you to do that. And the reason that we're doing that is that we believe very, very strongly in the power of God's word. As disciples of Jesus Christ, as as children of God, we really believe that it's important that all of us are immersed in God's word, that we're regularly reading and studying God's word because God's word is powerful. It is transforming. We also want you to know that we are a church that believes in the power of prayer. We believe that prayer is powerful and effective. And we have examples of that in this congregation and in our lives. We know that prayer works. And we would love to pray for you. If you have something going on in your life or in the life of someone that you love that you would like for us to pray about, we would encourage you to take one of those green cards that you'll find in front of you. Tell us about your prayer request. Drop it in one of our collection boxes and we will honor that request. Several hundred of us are waiting to hear your request so that we can pray for you. You can find the collection boxes. You can find two at the very back of the auditorium. 
can find a third one through these double doors up here at the front. We believe in the power of prayer. We also want you to know that we believe in the power of baptism. We believe that it's in baptism that we join in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We believe that it's through baptism that our sins are washed away. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We come out of the water as new creatures, new creatures to follow our Jesus Christ as his disciples. So if you are here and you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and you haven't been baptized, we really should have a conversation about that. And to start that conversation, we would encourage you to take that same green card, turn it over on the back side where it says next steps, check the box that talks about baptism, and either I or one of our elders will contact you right away and we'll start that conversation about baptism. We believe in the power of baptism. And finally, we want you to know that we believe in the power of the church. We believe in the power of the church universal and the power of the church local. We know that together we're able to accomplish things that we could never accomplish when we're apart. We know that when we come together as God's people, great things happen. And we would like you to know that if you would become a part of this church and this congregation, we would love to worship alongside you and serve with you and watch God work through you and through us. So if you've been attending Netherwood for a while and you haven't yet let us know that you'd like to be a part of this church family, we'd encourage you to do that. We'll have a conversation about that as well. Use that same green card, check the box about church membership, drop it in one of the boxes, and either I or one of the elders will contact you right away, and we'll have that conversation about being a part of this church family. The church is powerful. Well, last week we began a mini-sermon series, and this sermon series is going to help us focus on our need and our desire to listen to Jesus' call, to get out of our comfortable boats and join Jesus and his work out on the often uncomfortable water. Each of the sermons in this series will be primarily drawn from what we call the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus' words that are recorded in the 5th, the 6th, and the 7th chapters of Matthew's gospel. So in some ways you might say these are sermons about a sermon, about what we know as Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. If you were here last week, you know that I began this series right where Jesus ends his sermon. At the end of his sermon, Jesus tells a story and he presents a challenge, what I called an uncomfortable challenge of his own. It's a choosing challenge. It's a choice between wise behavior and foolish behavior. So let's once more listen to how Jesus ended his sermon. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Jesus said, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell 
with a, with a great crash. Do you hear the challenge? You know, this reminds me of the challenge that Joshua placed before the people of Israel before he died. You probably remember the challenge that Joshua made. Joshua chapter 24, Joshua said, Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What Joshua did way back then is what Jesus is doing here in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is saying, choose for yourselves this day whether you're going to be wise or if you're going to be foolish. And for Jesus, the dividing line between wisdom and foolishness isn't about the breadth of your knowledge. And it isn't about the depth of your understanding. No, for Jesus, the dividing line between wisdom and foolishness is all about doing. It's all about living. You know, wisdom hears what Jesus says and does it. Wisdom nods its head in agreement and then goes out and puts Jesus' words into practice. Wisdom lets his words guide and shape their life, guide and shape their actions. But on the other side of the dividing line is foolishness. See, foolishness hears what Jesus says but doesn't do what he says. Foolishness nods its head in agreement with Jesus' words and then just proceeds around the same old path, that well-worn and familiar path. And Jesus' words have no impact They don't guide, they don't shape the foolish person's life. They don't guide or shape the foolish person's actions. For you remember last week I said that this is really simple but profound theology. And in many ways it's all the theology we really need. We need to hear his words and put his words into practice. But as we also saw last week, just because this theology is simple doesn't mean that it's easy. Now, the actual practice of hearing and doing is complicated. We know from experience it's hard. We know that it presents all kinds of problems for us, and it's presented all kinds of problems for others who have heard Jesus' words and struggled with putting them into practice over the centuries. It turns out that it's easier to hear than it is to do. And we, like the people in Jesus' original audience, we know from experience that our human nature, when combined with our human fears, often leads us to engage in foolish behavior, that hearing and not doing behavior. For example, we know that it's very difficult It's not easy to turn away instead of hitting back. We know from experience that it isn't easy to give instead of keeping. And we know from experience that it isn't easy to look in the mirror instead of pointing our finger at everyone else. It's easy to hear Jesus, but it's often hard to do what he says. In fact, it isn't just hard. It's impossible for us to fully live out Jesus' words if we rely on our own limited power to do so. 
You see, the solution to overcoming our human nature and overcoming our human fears and doing what Jesus says, the solution isn't to rely on our own human strength. Let me say that again. The solution to overcoming our human nature and our human fears and doing what Jesus says, the solution isn't our own human strength. We're not that strong. We can't do it on our own. Now, the solution to hearing and doing Jesus' words lies not in our human strength. Instead, it lies in the strength of the one who spoke those words. It relies on the strength of Jesus. The good news is what Jesus calls us to do, Jesus also enables us to do. Jesus empowers us to do. And that's why Jesus doesn't begin his sermon with a bunch of commands. Instead, Jesus begins his sermon with blessings. Jesus begins his sermon with blessings for those who are desperate for blessings. He begins his sermon by bringing good news to people who are desperate for good news. Why is that important? Why does that matter? Why do those blessings bring power? Well, here's why those blessings. At the beginning of Jesus' sermon, here's why they matter and here's how they bring power. See, if we don't believe that in our most difficult times that God is going to be there for us with his blessings, we won't be able to overcome our fears. We won't be able to overcome our human nature. We won't be able to get out of our boats. If we don't know that in our most difficult circumstances that Jesus will be with us, that Jesus will bring us good news. We won't overcome our fears. We won't overcome our human nature. We won't be able to hear his words and actually put them into practice. If we don't know that we're blessed by God, if we don't know that we're loved by God, if we don't know that God is holding us close to his side, we'll never be able to overcome our fears, never be able to overcome human nature. We'll never be able to live out the Sermon on the Mount. That's the power of Jesus' blessings. That's the power of Jesus' good news. Good news we all need to hear is that Jesus doesn't ask us to do what he says until he tells us what we need to hear. And what we all need to hear is that we are blessed And that we are loved and that we are held close by our Lord. See, we can be wise. We can do what he says, not because we're so strong, but because he blesses us. Because he brings good news to those who call on his name. So if you're like me, and I assume that most of you are something like me, If you're like me, you know that you have no business getting out of that comfortable boat and trying to walk on the water with Jesus, not on your own power. If, like me, you know you're not strong enough to be a wise builder on your own, I want you to know this morning that Jesus has good news for you. 
You can do what he says. You can build on the rock. You can get out of your boat and walk on water. And you can do that because of the power of Jesus and the power of his blessings. So what I invite you to do right now is take a seat at Jesus' feet and listen to Jesus' words and be prepared to receive a blessing. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. And his disciples came to him and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let me ask you a question. Do you feel blessed? You know, for a a long time, whenever I heard those words, whenever I read those words, I didn't really feel blessed by Jesus. Instead, I felt commanded by Jesus. Here's what I heard Jesus saying. I heard Jesus saying, Walter, go and do this. And once you do it, once you master it, then, then I will bless you. We even call this section of scripture the beatitudes. It's not a biblical word, but that's what it's come to be known, the beatitudes. Beatitudes as in this should be your attitude. And that kind of works for some of these blessings, but it doesn't work at all for some of the others. For example, it makes some sense to think that Jesus is commanding us to work to develop an attitude of mercy. That's a worthy goal. That's a biblical thing to develop, a biblical attitude to have. But I can't for the life of me figure out why Jesus would command me, command his disciples to develop an attitude of mourning. We've been gifted the victory of Jesus. Why would he want us to live in mourning? That doesn't make sense, does it? And it doesn't make sense because that's not what Jesus is doing here. Jesus isn't commanding us to become. Instead, what he's doing is he's blessing those who already are. So to the people who are mourning, Jesus isn't saying, wipe that grin off your face so I can start blessing you. Instead, what he's doing, he's promising, even in your mourning, even in your mourning, I'll bring you blessing. Even in your mourning, I'll have good news. Now, make no mistake, Jesus is about to give us a whole bunch of commands later in the sermon. 
But that's not what he's doing here. See, Jesus brings blessings before he brings commands. And the reason he does that is because he's speaking to a crowd that's very much like this crowd. This crowd that's right here this morning. He's speaking to an audience that's made up of disciples who desperately need to hear that Jesus isn't going to ask them to do something he hasn't enabled them to do. He hasn't blessed them to do. And he isn't going to ask us to do anything he hasn't blessed us to do. You know, one of the things that I love about our God is that he continually chooses to do his work He continually chooses to accomplish accomplish his mission in this world through the most unlikely of human candidates. Isn't that true? How about Noah? Well, Noah had a drinking problem. How about Abraham? Well, Abraham had a lying problem. How about Moses? Well, Moses had an anger problem. How about King David? Well, King David had a lust problem. How about the Apostle Peter? Well, he had an impulse control and courage problem. How about Paul? Well, Paul had a very serious reputation problem, didn't he? Yet God worked powerfully through each of these people, each of these flawed people. And I believe that one of the reasons, one of the important reasons that God continually chooses to do his work and accomplish his mission through significantly flawed humans is that when his work is done, when his mission is accomplished, there's no doubt as to whose power made it responsible, whose power made it possible, and whose name is worthy of praise and glory. It's God who makes it possible. So there at that time, in that crowd, gathered at Jesus' feet, and here this morning in this crowd, gathered in this place, Jesus is still choosing the unlikely candidates to accomplish his purposes, to accomplish his mission. That's God's nature. It's not our nature. Who would we choose? Who would we choose as the likely candidates to not only hear but to do? Who would we choose to get out of the boat and follow Jesus? Well, we'd, follow, we'd choose those out of this crowd who were maybe popular and optimistic, wouldn't we? We'd choose the ones that we think have it all together, wouldn't we? We'd choose the bold among us, wouldn't we? That's human nature, isn't it? The only problem with that is that those traits don't describe very many of us, do they? The good news for us is that human nature is very different than God's divine nature. So in that crowd at Jesus' feet and in this crowd gathered here this morning, who does God choose? Who does God choose as the likely candidates to be wise builders? Who does he choose as those with the ability to not only hear but to do? Who does God choose to get out of the boat and follow Jesus out on the water? Who does he choose? Well, God does choose the popular and optimistic among us to be wise builders. And God does choose those who have it all together and to not only hear but to do. 
And God does choose the bold to get out of the boat and walk on water with Jesus. God does choose those people. But God also chooses me. And he also chooses you. He also chooses all of us unlikely candidates to build wisely and to hear and to do and to walk with Jesus on the water. And he chooses us not because we're able under our power, but because he will make it happen. He will work through us. And he'll accomplish his mission with us. And he'll do that if we'll only accept his blessings. So who can build? Who can hear and also do? Who can get out of the boat and walk on water? Well, I can. And you can. Because we're all blessed by God. So I want you to listen to Jesus give you your blessing this morning. But just like at the end of the sermon, it's not enough to just hear Jesus' blessing. You also have to accept his blessing. So if you're here this morning and you are poor in spirit, I want you to know and to accept that God is blessing you even when you feel rejected, even when you feel hopeless, even when you feel all alone. And if you're here this morning and you're in mourning, I want you to know and to accept God's blessing. Know and accept that God blesses you with comfort because God knows. And more importantly, God cares about your great loss. And if you are meek, I want you to know and accept that you are blessed You're blessed because you don't have to call attention to yourself to be noticed by God. He notices the meek. And if you came here today hungry and thirsty for righteousness because you know you haven't achieved righteousness on your own, you need to know and accept that God will bless you if you have that hunger and thirst and he will nourish you. And if you're someone who is merciful but seldom experiences the mercy of others, I want you to know and accept that you are blessed with God's mercy. And when you're forgiven by God, then you have the freedom to forgive others. And if you walked in this morning with a pure heart, God bless you. Know and accept that you are blessed. See, when your heart looks like God's heart, you can know that the day is coming when you will not only look like God, you will look on God. And if you're someone who is a peacemaker, I want you to know and accept that you are blessed. Because when you bring peace to your world, you can know that you're truly living in God's world. And if you walked in here this morning bruised and battered, bruised and battered because you have actually been putting Jesus' words into practice in your life, if you came in here this morning half drowned because you've been out on that water walking with Jesus, 
If you've been insulted and persecuted because of your righteous behavior, I want you to know and accept that you are blessed. Because Jesus promises that those who suffer for God in this world are destined for eternal life, free of suffering in the eternal world. I want all of us to know and accept that we are blessed. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. And his disciples came to him and he began teaching them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Yes, the commands are coming, but Jesus begins his sermon with blessings. Because for us to be able to hear and do his commands, we must first hear and know. Hear and know that we are blessed by God. You are blessed by God. We must hear and know that we are loved by God. You are loved by God. And we must hear and know that God is holding us close to his side. God is holding you close to his side. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your blessings. Father, thank you for allowing us to know that we are blessed by you, that we are loved by you, and that you are holding us close to your side. And Father, help us to find our true security and our true meaning and our true mission in life in you. Father, help us to be wise, to not only hear your blessings, but to know that they are true. Not only to hear your commands, but to actually do them, to live them out in our lives. And Father, continue to bless us. And we pray this through the name of Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. Well, before I give you our uncomfortable challenge for the week, I want to once more read a blessing. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers 
neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And all the church says, Amen. So here's our uncomfortable challenge number 44. It is a blessing challenge. So among those you know, who needs to know that they are blessed and loved by God? Who are those people? And what can you do to bring them God's blessings? Then do it. Let's stand. Let's sing. Say you're like a shepherd king.